Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I'm super pumped to have Jordan Wavra on the podcast. Welcome, Jordan. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. I'm so excited to jump right in and to find out even more about you. We've been chatting just a little bit before we I'm getting started here, but why don't we jump right in? Tell us who you are, your story, what you're about. Let's just hear it all. All right. So um, again, my name is Jordan Wabra. I am a holistic health and mindfulness coach. So I work with women and helping them holistically transform their bodies from the inside out, really focusing on healing stress and increasing mindfulness in their life with holistic nutrition and mindfulness techniques. Um, I got into this a while ago. I haven't I turned it into a career more recently, but I've been into holistic health for a while because I struggled with chronic illness when I was a kid. And then as I grew older, it turned into like chronic stomach problems, which doctors just termed as IBS and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But just, you know, chronic, chronic stomach pains and bloating, and it turned into fatigue because I'd had it for so long that I started getting really fatigued and um, holistic health was, um, and really getting to the root of the problem was what cured me and brought me to where I am today. Yeah. So what does, I feel like people use, or I shouldn't say people use, but what does holistic health mean to you? I think, um, some people that are maybe new to the, to the whole space might be a little confused by what that means. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, holistic to me anyway, means embodying the mind, body, and spirit, and understanding that all three of those things work together. Mm -hmm. So if one of them is out of balance or out of alignment, then something else is going to be out of alignment too. And I always like to use this example, like you could be the fittest person on the planet. You could have your nutrition down to a T, but if your stress levels are through the roof and emotionally unstable, Mm -hmm. uh, then you are not living up to like your true health then you are still not healthy because a lot of people don't understand that health doesn't just stem from how fit you are um, or from your diet. It, it stems from your stress and your emotions and all of those things that are part of your mind too. Mm-hmm. They also play an underlying role in your health. And so as a holistic health coach, um, soon to be holistic nutritionist, actually, um, my goal is to really teach the power of embodying a holistic lifestyle. Mm. I love that. So are there any symptoms that you still deal with now or have you pretty much kind of cured yourself, quote unquote, cured yourself um, as of late? Um, I actually still have stomach problems that flare up here and there. So while I feel, you know, better than I ever have before, Mm -hmm. there are times where like, I'll be super bloated or distended in my stomach area again. And I'll know like that's a sign that something isn't working, whether it's a product that I'm using or a food that I introduced to my system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a sign that, you know, something isn't agreeing with me. And so before where it was like this chronic thing that I just couldn't figure out now it's almost like a warning tool. It's, it's a teachable moment almost like, okay, what did I do? And you know, I need to take a step back and figure out how I can, how I can fix it. Yeah. So if, 
I don't know if there was, what are like the first few things that you would do if you were trying to kind of fix something or try to figure out maybe what is causing issues that you're having? So the first thing I do, and this is just for what works for me personally, is I just kind of sit in silence. Mm. Like I need to sit where it's quiet because it just helps me think because I have like a squirrel brain or a monkey mind they call it in (laughs) mindfulness um so it's you know it's always going in a million different directions and I might I'll be thinking of like a hundred things at once yeah so in order for me to like narrow things down I have to sit and just be still and quiet for a a moment and then I'll just start thinking about um what I've been doing in the last 24 hours Mm -hmm. and not just what I ate because a lot of people just jump immediately to food, which is good mm-hmm. because a lot of times food does have to do with it, but not just that, like what were the supplements that I took? What did I expose myself to? Did I expose myself to any chemicals? Did I do any mm-hmm. cleaning? Was I in a different environment? Did I go into a building or a warehouse like Costco or something like that? You know, I just start evaluating what my day was like in the last 24 hours. And I just take little like mental notes of things that were different. And then that's kind of how I figure out, you know, like what might've been different, what might've caused it. And then moving forward, I do like a good old, um, food journal, but I call it a food and moods journal. Mm. So I don't just track my food. I track my mood as well. And then I also track my energy levels and I also track my emotions that stem. So like if I have like a negative reaction come up, like if I get super irritated or angry or agitated, I'll write that down. And what that does is it allows me to make connections between what I'm eating and what I'm doing and how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, like I said, it just allows me to start making connections and it kind of helps me narrow down um, what might be causing it. It sounds like a lot of work, but I just do it in baby steps and it's not, it's not too much. Yeah. So like for yourself or maybe with clients that you've worked with when things like this, like symptoms reappear or things like this, how do you, how do you kind of work through the, I know personally for me, I really struggled with when a symptom would reoccur, I would kind of be mean to myself. I was like, what did I do? Like what, you know, instead of being like thinking about it, like you're saying, um, I would immediately get very self-critical. Like, how did I cause this to myself again? Is there anything that you can like, um, I don't know, recommend that people do so that maybe they don't get into that negative mind spin? Yeah, that's actually a really good question because I used to do the same thing. Mm. It's like you put in all this work and all this effort to make yourself feel better, to heal your body. And when it doesn't work, you're mad at yourself because you're like, what did I do wrong? I'm doing all the right things or I thought I was. Um, And this is where a lot of that mindfulness comes in. And this is how I really got into mindfulness and connecting with myself. Um, And just being really aware of that inner critic and that ego. Mm -hmm. And this is something that takes practice. It doesn't happen overnight. But that's personally what's helped me with it is I've just become more aware of how I speak to myself. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I don't catch myself speaking negatively, because I do. What it means is that I'm aware of it and I can stop it and I can reframe my language. So when I catch myself saying like, God, like you shouldn't have had that yesterday. What were you thinking? This always happens. You always feel this way. Why do you do this? Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, whereas before I would just let that go on for like the entire day or the mm-hmm. next day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas now 
I am, I catch myself in the middle of it or at the end of it. And I'm like, all right, I need to give myself some grace. Nobody's perfect. And this is a journey. This is a healing journey. And there's going to be times where you indulge and your body may not like it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So, and so I just like kind of talk to myself like I would somebody else. Mm. I talk to myself like I would my kids or my child. And I, you know, I say, what can I do from here to help ease this process? Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do today to start feeling better? And that's kind of how I've transformed into that way of thinking. Got it. That totally makes sense. That's, that's an area that's still a struggle for me. I feel like being like a recovering perfectionist is what I like to say. I'll always, I feel like I'll always be recovering, but like, it's, it's hard sometimes. Um, sometimes you don't even notice how negative you're being. So just like you said, being very mindful and being very self-aware and even just catching yourself, um, is like, makes a world of difference. Like, I feel like getting past that point is wonderful, but in the beginning, it's like catching yourself and noticing Mm -hmm. what you're saying and when you're saying it, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people get kind of hard on themselves when they start practicing mindfulness because they feel like they're not being mindful when they catch themselves doing those things. They're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to talk like this. I'm not supposed to act this way. And they get really down on themselves. Like this isn't how it works. But what they don't realize is that in itself is a form of mindfulness. When you're able to recognize those things and you're able to recognize that you're not speaking to yourself the way you want to be, or when you're able to realize that you are practicing mindlessness, um, that in itself is a form of mindfulness. That in itself is showing that you're already making progress just by being aware that you're not being mindful. You're being mindful. Mm, I love that. That's so, that's so (laughs) important to remember. Mm-hmm. So we're really hitting home on like this mindfulness practice and all these things. What are some of your favorite techniques that you use or that maybe you work with your clients on? Um, my, my, by far my biggest mindfulness technique is meditation. Um, some people don't like that because it does take up extra time in your day, mm-hmm. but really it, it just helps me set my day up for success, not to sound cliche or anything, but it really does. And it does that because I'm able to sit and set my intentions for the day. Mm. So I'm able to sit down in silence before all the noise, like before my son wakes up, before the dogs start running around. I am just able to sit, let my mind rest and just think about what I want to accomplish and how I want to feel. Mm -hmm. How do I want to feel today? And what can I do to feel this way? And I start my morning off like that every single day. And it's just been a huge game changer for me. So that is my biggest mindfulness practice. Um, A couple others that I recommend to my clients who are like, I need something that I can do in the middle of the day. I'm too busy to sit down and meditate, which Mm -hmm. I always joke, you know, if you're too busy to meditate, that means you need it the most. Yeah. Um, But one of them is like the five senses exercise. Mm. And so anytime you find yourself in a really stressful um, situation or you feel yourself getting agitated, you use your five senses and essentially you think about um, five things that you can see, Mm. four things that you can, I believe it's four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things that you can... um, feel and then one thing you can taste I'm I can't remember did I get all the senses in there whenever I explain this I'm like okay, smell was smell one of them oh smell okay so yeah like maybe I think it's like three things you can smell 
you can change the numbers to work for you. You could just do one thing for each sense if yeah. you want. You could do two things for each one, or you can do what I did in countdown from five. Um, but basically it's just like, for example, if I was sitting here, it wouldn't even matter if there was like 10 people around me because they wouldn't even know I was doing it. If I was getting anxious because all these people were around me and talking, I could just sit here. I don't need to close my eyes, but I can just be like, okay, what do I see? Oh, I see the cabinets, the TV, the fan, the chair, the shoes. Um, what can I smell? Oh, I smell the coffee. I smell the dust in the air, you know, and you just start, um, focusing on your senses and what that does is it literally brings you into the present moment mm. and it takes away all of that anxiety and that stress that comes from living outside the present because this is something that's really hard to wrap your head around but if you lived in the present moment at all times there would be no anxiety or stress mm. mm -hmm. because stress and anxiety is a result of worry and thinking about what you should have done or didn't do or what you should do in the future what you're gonna do when you're in the present moment there is rarely a need to worry. And mm -hmm. so that's how that exercise can help calm you down and bring you back to, um, bring you back to like yourself and get you more centered. Um, so that one, and then another one that I really, um, or that my clients really enjoy is mindful listening. Mm -hmm. And this, there's a couple different ways you can do this, but a way to do it to kind of help you calm yourself is to do like a two minute bell exercise, which you can YouTube. There's a ton of them. Um, but it's like where they ring the gong or like the Chinese bell and it kind of tapers off into the distance yeah. and you focus on the sound from the moment they ring it mm. till it completely fades out. And again, it just kind of helps you focus your intention on that present moment. Um, or they have like music meditations that you can listen to. And it, all it is, is instrumental. It's very calming and brings a lot of, um, feelings of peace. And while you're listening, you're focusing on what you're hearing. Like what instruments do you hear? What sounds do you hear? How are these sounds making you feel? Are they loud? Are they soft? And again, when you're bringing your awareness to that thing, it helps you be present and it helps take away all that added stress and that worry. Mm -hmm. which is the whole purpose of mindfulness. Yeah. So those are a couple that I use and that my clients really enjoy, but yeah. there's, there's hundreds of them. There's so many mindfulness exercises out there. Yeah. Which is great because you can find the ones that really, really work for you and kind of use right. it in your own way. Like, um, I don't remember, I've heard this saying before and I'm so bad at quotes, so I'm sure I'm totally going to mess this up, I'm <laughs> sure, but it's something like if, um, like worry basically causes pain twice, like, you know, um, when you are worrying about something that might not even happen, um, your body doesn't know that that's not actually happening. So you're going through this right. like anxiety, um, that might not even be necessary or if it does happen, you're going to deal with it twice. And that's yes. something for me, like as I definitely um, have anxiety around a few things and I can be a worrier. And that's mm -hmm. something that it doesn't necessarily make it go away, but I'm mindful of that. When I start worrying about something, I'm like, okay, is this actually going to happen? And if it is, why am I worrying about it now? Because it's going to suck later anyway. So like, why would I make right. it suck twice? <laughs> it's not worth yeah. it. I love that. I think I've heard that before too, or something very similar, but I love it. And, you know, and like, that's the common misconception with mindfulness too. I get that a lot is, um, that 
you know, people think they have to be perfect when they practice this or that they, there's never going to be any stress. And if that are, there is stress, they're doing it wrong. And mindfulness doesn't take stress away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away, you know, the craziness going on in your world or the, you know, the stressful moments that you might encounter. It just helps you manage them better. Yeah. So that instead of being reactive and just kind of um, letting your body just act without, you know, like you really knowing it without having really any control over your emotions, you're able to be aware of it and choose how you want to respond. Mm-hmm. How do I want to respond to you know this stress or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And it brings some of the power back because I feel like for worry and some anxiety, like a lot of the reason that it's coming in, like you said, is because like you've lost this version of control. So, okay. Mm-hmm. For example, I have extre- extreme phobia of flying. I get very, very ill right before I go on the plane. I get very, very sick. Um, but when I get on the plane, one of the things that I like to do is play like meditative music Um, music. So like, and it's kind of exactly what you're saying. I'm like very specifically paying attention to the music and like thinking about which instrument it is, like what's going, like what note might come next. I used to be like, I used to be in band and like do musical things. So it kind of just sits with me well, or Mm -hmm. I'll even do um, like, I think it's calm. The app has like literally a breathing circle and you can walk in and out. And that's really helpful too, because once you get into the a form of like extreme anxiety or anything like that, it's, it's even harder to bring yourself back into yes. the moment. So like having something that's literally like, I have to watch it and like, mm-hmm. like breathe with it is really helpful. But, um, but then these things like can easily be used in your everyday too. I love the example of the five senses. I've done like when I've noticed if I'm really in my head when I was walking to work or something, um, Mm -hmm. not necessarily all five senses, but I would always try to like very specifically pick out different things I was seeing instead of just focusing on the podcast I was listening to. Right. Really, it really helps kind of bring you out of your head in a way. Yeah. It's pretty amazing how it works um, because it sounds so simple, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, anybody who's ever felt anxiety before, who's ever felt like that overwhelming stress or worry Mm -hmm. knows like how almost impossible it feels like to get out of it and to think of something as simple as what are four things you can see and three things you can hear. Mm -hmm. Being able to take you out of that is kind of almost like unbelievable. You're like, okay, that doesn't sound realistic. But when you start practicing it, it's pretty amazing how well it does work and mm-hmm. how it really does shift your thinking and takes away, you know, like if you aren't focusing on the worry that you're currently having, then it can't get worse. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty, it's pretty powerful when you do practice it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I actually have like a funny story that I'll just say quickly. <laughs> I, um, I had a, a very, very bad migraine about a month ago and it was to the point where like, I thought my husband was going to have to take me to the hospital. I felt so bad. And I was sitting on the couch and I could just feel that I was going to have a panic attack. I don't have them often. I have them maybe once a year. Um, but I could feel it coming and I immediately then started panicking about the fact that I was going to have a panic attack. Um, 
So I started getting really nervous, started having a panic attack, and my dog put her head in my lap and burped. And it was like, it was enough that like, I literally came out of this spiral that was happening in my, in my head because I mean, it's not obviously a mindfulness practice, but like it brought me back to that actual moment of what was Mm -hmm. actually happening and made me laugh. And I didn't have the full panic attack. So it's just like, it's crazy. Like it's, it's hard to explain, but like bringing yourself back to that, that exact moment, um, and really being able to hold on to something. I mean, not everybody's going to have a dog burp in their lap, but you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like the beautiful thing about mindfulness though, is that it doesn't have to be a formal practice mm-hmm. and it can literally be something as simple as your dog burping on your lap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But yeah, really it can be that simple. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So just a, f- a random funny story because like the, my favorite way that I've ever come out of a panic attack in my life, um, usually it's by breathing, but this time it was because of that. But so um, to get off the topic of that, what, how do you work with people and um, what types of people do you work with? What kind of work do you do? So I work with a lot of moms mm. and it, we really focus on what areas they, they need help with. So I focus on nutrition and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Those are the two healing, um, transformations I like to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like to focus on stress mm-hmm. and increasing energy. So mm-hmm stress they're finding now is an underlying cause of almost every disease out there, even chronic um, diseases that we're seeing more and more instances of a lot of, a lot of it's being traced back to stress because of the world that we live in nowadays. And that stress could be from work. It could be environmental like pollutants. It could be your food Mm -hmm. or any delayed allergies that you have that you're not aware of. Stress can come in so many forms that a lot of people don't realize that it's stress Mm -hmm. causing issues on their body. So what we do is we just, you know, during our first call together is we figure out, you know, like what's going on, Mm -hmm. you know, why do you want to work with me? Why did you reach out? And what do you, what do you want to heal? Mm -hmm. You know? And so it's really personalized. So it's hard to say exactly what we focus on, but we use, you know, nutrition and food and understanding how it affects your body and how not every superfood is super for your body and really learning how to listen to your body when, um, when it's not feeling good and we start, you know, figuring out like what's causing that and how we can fix it. And, you know, using mindfulness to help, you know, aid in decreasing those stress levels and coming up with tools to, um, that you can pull out, you know, anytime that work for you. And like you said, not every mindfulness tool works for everybody. So it's about being, aware that there are more than a handful of ways to practice it. There's dozens and dozens of ways to practice mindfulness. It's about, it's about finding what works for you and helping them use those tools so that they can live a more vibrant life so that they can feel more energy so that they want to, you know, run outside and play with their kids and not feel so tired at the end of the day. And they feel inspired to cook meals because they understand how to cook healthy and how to, you know, put healthy meals together and, how to go to the grocery store and pick out foods. And it's not overwhelming anymore. They feel more empowered about their health and mm-hmm. how to transform it. Yeah. 
I love what you said that not every uh, superfood is super for you. <laughs> I remember, I mean, I don't even know now. It's probably 10 years ago or something. I just remember there being like this huge phase of like how good whole grain food is for you and like make sure you're eating, you know, like brown bread instead of a white bread and like mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And I remember like forcing myself to eat it because I don't even like bread, but I was like, well, I feel like it's healthy. You know, this is what I need. Yeah. To- you got to get your grains in. Yeah. And now <laughs> like I can't eat grains. Like I, like I can't eat gluten. Um, and it mm-hmm. like affects my autoimmune disease. It affects my bloating. It's something that my body can't process the way that some people can. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting. It's like, you know, some people do really well on vegan diets or keto type diets, um, or like high fat diets, I should say, but like mm-hmm. some people don't like, you know, I've always yep. been interested in like trying a vegan diet, but my doctors kind of shy away from that with my thyroid issues. So it's just like, you know, like finding that balance that fits for you, but then also like being mindful about what makes you feel well. I'm sure that that's like big with your nutrition is like, Oh yeah. That's a, that's a hard, that's a break for me that I struggle with food is, um, I struggle with, I like this food right now as I'm eating it. It tastes great. This is what I Mm -hmm. am craving, but I'm, not so great at like that mindful connection of, but how does it actually affect you? Like, how does it make you feel once you've digested it? (laughs) Like a couple, you know, a couple hours later the next day. Yeah. And that's why I always focus on those foods and moods journals with my clients and like Mm. track, you know, track what you ate. It doesn't have to be anything super fancy, but just jot it down. And then mm-hmm. pay attention to how you feel, not right afterwards, because a lot of times you're pretty satisfied. Yeah. Like I know after I eat a slice of carrot cake, I'm feeling like great on top of the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was freaking delicious. Yeah. But a couple hours later, I might be like exhausted. Like that's what sugar does to me. I just get like really, really tired. Yep. Um, and I wake up almost feeling kind of hungover. Mm, and so like it'll even affect me the next day Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't know that it was the cake doing it if I wasn't tracking how I was feeling yeah because you know a lot of times we tell ourselves no I can keep track of it in my head I know what I ate yesterday Mm -hmm. but it's we lose things we lose that connection when we don't put it on paper and we don't see it with our eyes Mm -hmm. and so writing down what you're eating and then writing down how you're not your feel not necessarily how you're feeling immediately afterwards, but how you're feeling a couple hours later mm-hmm. or later that evening before you go to bed. And even how you feel in the morning, because what you ate for dinner that night might not really affect you until you wake up the next morning. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do you wake up and you're not bloated and then you have a random day in the middle of the week and you wake up and you're super bloated and you feel like you gained three pounds overnight and you're like, what the heck? Like, yeah, you're what, like, what, what did I do differently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like you may have like, you wouldn't, you know, not necessarily even gone out to eat the day before. And you're like, yeah. how did this happen? And that's where like just tracking it and being able to be like, all right, pull it out and just look like what's different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times people have delayed food allergies that they don't realize they have. And these are different than like immediate allergies, like that cause anaphylactic shock and things like that. Yeah. You know, delayed food allergies, they might not even show symptoms for up to two days after you eat it. Mm. And then things get really tricky. Yeah. So, you know, being able to track your food and just be really mindful if you are having digestive problems or 
headaches or mood swings or anything like that. It's just, it's so important to track it. It's really the, the only way for you to really pinpoint where things are stemming from. Yeah. I love that. I like, I'm totally going to do a journal like that. It's there for me, like, um, my whole life I thought that I was intolerant to dairy, um, mm-hmm. because I would eat dairy and I would get very sick to my stomach. Um, usually have like very bad cramping and end up like, you know, having to go to the bathroom. And it was like right. that for years and years. And I just would deal with it sometimes like, or I wouldn't eat dairy at all, but then I would Um, I still like would have those issues and it never made sense to me until I started tracking it and noticing it was the times that I ate dairy that had cookies in it or it had a cone. So it was actually the gluten, um, that was affecting Mm -hmm. me in that way. So then I was like, okay, now I'm cutting out gluten. Great. I can have dairy all the time as long as there's not gluten in it. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm not getting like extremely sick to my stomach anymore. That's great. But when I eat dairy, I wake up the next day and I have congested sinuses. So I'll get like a sinus mm-hmm. headache or, yeah. and, or, um, it causes mood issues. I'll be like kind of crabby after, if I have a lot of dairy, um, right. and a lot of dairy for me is like, you know, ice cream, <laughs> like not, <laughs> Same. you know, unless it's like a tiny little bit that happens to be sprinkled on something, I can usually mm-hmm. handle that. But Um, but then it was kind of like, at first I was like, whatever, I don't care. So yeah, it just causes different issues that aren't as like attacking right away. So I kind of was like, I'm just going to deal with this because I enjoy dairy, but it wasn't worth it. I'm like, I'm being like awful to my husband the next day or like Mm -hmm. I'm having these extreme sinus headaches because of dairy. But yeah, so it's just like, being more mindful about what you're eating and like how it's causing you to feel in a bad way, but then also like the foods that make you feel really good, right? You're really energized. That's important too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you were able to figure out that dairy and gluten both caused symptoms, but in different ways, because a lot of times when people are eating things in combination like that, they're lucky if they figure out one of them. Yeah. Very rarely do people figure out that it's both without, without having some sort of like allergy panel done or something like that. Yeah. So um, I love that you were able to figure that out by tracking those two things. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it, for me too, it was, um, I've had to do a few like, um, like extreme diets, like AIP diets, um, Mm -hmm. around my autoimmune disease. So I had to cut Mm -hmm. out inflammatory things and dairy tends to be inflammatory. And it was like, I was able to reintroduce dairy and I went and got like, I don't even remember like something that I could have. Um, and like, I felt so good. This was also the sugar, but I felt like Mm -hmm. so good after I had it. And then like three hours later, I was like, wow, I feel, I am mad. (laughs) Like I'm mad at everything. This is not worth it. It is crazy. I, I remember, um, this was a while ago now, but my husband could not figure out like what was getting him so agitated. Mm. Like it was just on the weekends, Mm -hmm. like every like Saturday, Sunday morning, a couple hours after breakfast, he, he would tell me, he's just like, I am just so agitated. I'm so irritated. I don't understand why I feel this way. 
and he started tracking it and it was coffee because like during the week he only drinks tea Mm -hmm. when he goes to work and then on the weekends it's like our splurge so we have coffee on the weekends and it was only happening on weekend mornings and so he went a weekend without coffee and didn't have that issue and then brought it back in a couple weeks later and it came up again so yeah he still has coffee every now and then but now he's aware of it he's like I know that he either needs to have like something really alkalizing with it to balance it out because coffee is really acidifying so he'll just eat like he'll make sure that his breakfast is really alkalizing to kind of balance it out and that tends to help but Mm -hmm. it's just really interesting like what you start to notice about like what's making you feel a certain way yeah when you pay attention to your nutrition like it's crazy um are there any like other, I mean, nutrition is a, a very big topic. And like you said, it's, it's very specific to each person, but are there mm-hmm. any like baseline nutrition things that are, that are important in your health journey? In mine specifically, um, the biggest thing that's helped me is focusing on a whole foods diet, which I feel like is important for a lot of people. Um, but cutting out, you know, as many refined sugars as possible. We try not to buy anything with refined sugar in it anymore because it's just not worth it. You know, we get plenty of sugar that we need. We really only need, I think it's like two teaspoons to function. And we can get that in a piece of fruit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, which most of us eat. Mm. And so we try, you know, not bring any refined sugar in because it just causes more cravings and it makes my you know, like stomach problems flare up. Um, so whole foods was a big one. And then also purchasing organic and eliminating the environmental pollutants. So this is big. A lot of people ask me this and I'm sure you've probably heard this before, but like people will always say, well, can you taste the difference or can you tell the difference between organic and not? And honestly, when I first started, I couldn't, mm-hmm. but now I can, when I go out to eat at a restaurant, I can tell if the food's not organic because it has like a, um, like, like almost like a waxy plasticky taste to it. It's really hard to explain, Yeah, but I can tell the difference just because I've been having it for so long. But not only that is I feel better tracking again, like your emotions and your moods. My, I'm more emotionally stable when I eat organic mm. because when I first started this process, I did not buy organic. Mm-hmm. I started buying more vegetables and um, fruit was never an issue. It usually isn't for people. Usually we eat too much fruit. So I actually cut back on the fruit, started buying more vegetables, but I didn't start with organic right away. I just bought conventional, mm-hmm. which was fine. I still saw a lot of healing being done because I cut out a lot of processed foods, a lot of food additives yeah. and a lot of you know environmental pollutants that get into our food that way. Um, but I was still getting like all the pesticides and things like that that come not just on our food, but actually grow inside our food. So a lot of people, you know, don't realize that pesticides are brought up through the root system because they're in the soil. So you just can't wash it off. Yeah. Wash your fruits, but it's still in there. Um, I didn't see a huge shift in, well, I should say I saw a bigger shift in my emotional stability when we switched to a hundred percent organic. Mm. And, um, like I said, when I go out to eat and I order a salad, that's not like local or they don't have like organic local farmers or anything like that. Um, I can tell the difference, maybe not right away. Um, but like later on throughout the day, I'll either get a headache or, um, 
I'll just like feel it mentally, mm. either with like brain fog or things like that. And that's just something I've picked up over time. Um, so people ask me that question and I'm like, it makes a huge difference. Yes, but you may not notice it right away. And that's just the truth. It takes yeah. time for your body to adjust to those changes. Um, so it takes kind of a commitment, you know, for you before you'll start noticing the difference. But those are probably the biggest things, cutting out the packaged foods, the refined sugars, and then pesticides going organic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. We just started eating organic, like fully eating organic, um, like October of last year. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think for my job and stuff, I still eat out a little bit more than I would like to, but I can, I can still tell the difference, not to the same degree as you, but for example, with like avocados, I can tell mm -hmm. the difference. Like I almost always can have a ripe good organic avocado. I'm not having as much trouble as other people are having or, um, apples. So, um, like super random, but apples, um, make my lips tingle and they always have, but organic apples don't. So it's just, there's like weird little things That's like that that I'm noticing mm -hmm. with organic food, but just in general, I feel better. So it's important. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And apples are actually the highest contaminated produce item. Well, that's so really sense. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> They're my, um, instructor in my, in my school, he did an experiment on apples. One mm. was conventional, one was, um, organic and he let them sit in his windowsill, uh, or a windowsill that didn't get a lot of sunlight. And the organic one like got really soft and rotten, like within a month, I think. And then the non-organic one the conventional one sat in the windowsill for like three months oh my gosh and like you couldn't tell the difference like it looked the same it was obviously like a little soft like mushy yeah like if you grabbed it but you couldn't like like if you took a picture of it you couldn't tell that it'd been sitting there for three months yeah it's almost like those so. McDonald's like tests that they've done yes I did one of those <laughs> those that's disgusting I did one of those too I had to for a homework assignment and it doesn't change not even the cheese there the cheese didn't change there was no mold it smelled exactly yeah. the same if I would have stuck it in a toaster oven and heated it up to soften it and wrapped it back up not that I would do this but you yeah. wouldn't have been able to tell the difference oh my gosh that's so it's, gross yeah oh man yeah. I feel like we're going to get on a, like a long train of <laughs> like, <laughs> but so like if people wanted to work with you or if they wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way that they could do that? Um, the best way to reach me is either through a social media platform mm -hmm. or email. So my social media Instagram handle is at Jordan Wabra mm -hmm. and then Facebook is the same facebook.com slash Jordan Wabra. Um, or they can email me at support at jordanwabra.com. Perfect. I will have all the links down below if people want to reach out to you or, or see what's going on with you or chat with you so that they can do that easily. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners before we hop off today? I am just super grateful to have had this conversation with you. I had a ton of fun and I just want anybody who's listening to know that it is possible to feel better. Like I remember sitting, you know, on my couch years ago being like, 
I'm never going to get better and I'm always going to feel this way and nobody's ever going to know what's wrong with me. Or maybe those weren't my exact words, but something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And it is possible to feel better. Mm -hmm. And while maybe not a hundred percent healed in every single situation, it is possible to feel good. Our bodies are designed to feel good and it's all about figuring out what we need to eliminate Mm -hmm. and what we need to add in to help our body get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so important. I like the, the, what you need to bring in and what you need to get rid of. Um, both spiritually mind, like mindfully, like, uh, food wise, everything it's yes. In every area. That's why it's holistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you.